Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Kathleen Hanna was the lead singer of the punk band Pekini Kill and the dance punk trio. The punk, wait one second. (laughs) And the dance punk trio, uh, Le Tigre, uh, rose to national attention as the reluctant but never shy voice of the Riot Girl movement. She became most one of the most famous, famously outspoken uh, feminist icons, a cultural lightning rod. Her critics wish she would just shut up, and her loyal fans. Hope she never would. But in 2005, Hannah stopped shouting, and m- many wondered why. And that's the reason why I'm so honored to have on the program Sydney uh, Anderson, uh, the director of this new wonderful documentary about uh, Kathleen Hannah called The Punk Singer. It opens next Friday, that would be November 29th, here in Los Angeles at the Cine Family Theaters, as well as in New York at the IFC Center and a couple of other theaters. Be looking for this. This is a terrific documentary. Cindy Anderson, welcome to Film School. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, tell me a little bit. By the way, you are. this is your first uh, documentary film. Obviously, you've done other film work, but this is your first feature-length documentary. Uh, tell me a little bit about your um, involvement uh, with this project, um, meeting Kathleen, uh, Hannah, all the rest of it. Tell, tell us a little bit of how you got into this. Sure. I'll try to give you the abbreviated version. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, this is my first feature-length documentary. Um, I'm actually taking a break right now. We're on set filming uh, another documentary right now. But The Punk Singer is my first feature-length. And um, I've known Kathleen for a long time, about 12 years. Uh, we shared a mutual friend in common, uh, through, um, and we also were on the same label, Mr. Lady Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met through our friend, uh, Tammy Ray Carlin. Okay. And uh, we just kind of became fast friends. And I guess it was a, maybe three and a half years ago, almost four years ago, Kathleen had approached me to see if I might be interested in working on the Le Tigre doc, who took bump. And um, the conversation just kind of went from there. Uh, and I said that I thought it was a really great time for her to tell her own personal story, right. um, which I think, I think she was maybe, you know, a little thrown off by. But she thought about it for a while, um, and she came back to me a couple of weeks later and said, I'm totally nervous, uh, but I think you're right. Was so um, access is always the key to any documentary film. It's particularly important having access to the people that you would f- feel that you would need to talk to, the important people in her life or mm-hmm. whoever, whatever the documentary subject might be. Sure. Um, 
I can imagine her reticence. Uh, and there's no spoiler alerts here. I'm no, we're not going to give anything away because I think uh, this is a, a film that unfolds in such a way that I think it's it's just you should experience from start to finish and where this okay, journey. Okay, so no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> I didn't mean alerts, but no okay. spoilers here. So I don't want to give away too much. But I can imagine, having seen the film, the, the reticence that she might have about that about initially and but tell me what tell me a little bit about gaining access to, and to her and also to some of the important people in her life was was that a process or was it you know right from the get-go how did that go yeah sure you know um there was a little bit of a process in there i mean we always have a process right yeah, yeah. um i would say the principal photography in the interviews with kathleen we mainly completed those in one year um, and that was my focus, to just start with Kathleen. And once we had wrapped Kathleen, um, after a year of shooting her, I went for the outside interviews, and I did those in about three months. Mm-hmm. The people that I wanted to interview about Kathleen were people that were very much aware of her work, people that were her friends or had worked with her, um, or people that were around her that I felt could speak to this booth you know, to the movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't, in, I didn't intend on interviewing, um, her husband, Adam to begin with. Um, but he, he, he did end up doing an incredible interview. Mm-hmm. And I think if people go see the film, it'll make more sense why his interview was in there. Mm-hmm. But Kathleen Hanna has a very female story. She's a, she's a feminist artist who has collaborated with a lot of other feminist artists. So it made sense to me, the people that we chose to interview. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads to, for me, the obvious question is for, for people who aren't familiar with Kathleen Hanna and the band Bikini Kill, and basically, tell us a little bit about where she came from. Uh, and that, again, I played at the top of the interview the remarkable spoken word um, uh, appearance at, at, in uh, in the early days. And um, it tell us a little bit about Bikini Kill. <laughs> well, I don't and, know if I'm the best one to speak on Bikini Kill. They definitely would be the best one. Well, I mean, on Riot so Girl so Movement. You know where, where they're coming from <laughs> yeah. or what the scene was kind yeah. of like. Um, Kathleen was writing and doing spoken word, and I think that earlier work, if I'm not mistaken, was pretty political and outspoken. Yeah. Uh, she went to take a writing workshop with the uh, um, now past Kathy Acker, who's an incredible queer woman feminist writer uh, who has since passed, and she took this writing workshop with her, and I think that um, she just encouraged Kathleen to start a band. She said, why do you want to do spoken words? You should just be in a band. Yeah. And Kathleen tells that story in um, in the film, and, and she went back and she started a band. So all of that to say, Kathleen was already formulating really strong messages um, that she wanted to get out. And I think that she wanted to find the best outlet to reach the widest audience that she could mm-hmm. with her message. Um, she went back and started a band. Um, that was not the first, uh, that was not Bikini Kill. Um, but I think within probably six months or something like that, uh, Toby Bale and Kathy Wilcox were playing together in Olympia, Washington. And um, they asked they asked Kathleen to join the band. Mm. So um, they wanted to make it an all-girl band, but they were having a hard time. 
finding their guitar player and uh, Toby's friend, Billy Wilcox, uh, Billy Wilcox, Toby's friend, Billy Karen, was available. And so then Billy Karen joined the band. And that was the beginning of Bikini Kill. Uh, legendary band. People either love them or cannot stand them. Um, <laughs> breaking a lot of rules in the punk rock scene. And I feel like the footage in the film really gives a good sense, an idea of what those kind of early Bikini Kill days looked like yeah. and what they were up against. Yeah, and I think that's a very important part of the story. Uh, they the, the punk scene was... M- I would say by a percentage, I don't know what, 90% of the punk movement or punk scene, music scene was um, male-dominated, uh, very aggressive to the point at times in certain groups of being um, public violence would in, uh, was a part of, of it the, with the mosh pits and such, uh, with Bikini Kill and, and other groups like that, uh, particularly though with them, they really seemed to seize the idea that, that women... Uh, there's a sensibility for women that is very punk and that they, they, they deserved a place uh, at the table, if you will. And th- mm-hmm. this footage that you, you have found for that is remarkable. And I, I, I would say some of the, um, for me, some of the more powerful scenes is uh, Kathleen Hanna standing on stage and literally confronting these men, uh, telling them basically, where they where they should be standing and how and the women to the front basically of the stage which they were never allowed to be at these at these events or at least uh, for fear of violence uh, being visited on them so pretty remarkable stuff pretty remarkable footage in there yeah it, it's totally great I mean um, yeah the policy was at Bikini Kill shows girls to the front and yeah. to the back and it was you know. Not something that the punk, punk scene was used to. And um, so it was really starting to create change right there. And also uh, Kathleen speaks about this in the film, but um, she also did that so that she could also remain safe on stage because she thought if there was girls in front of her that she would be safe. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of younger people have no idea that how dangerous it was in the 90s to be in the punk scene. And it wasn't just like physically you're going to get pushed down. There was also there was also uh, sexual assaults and yeah. it was just it was insane. So, um yeah, so it was pretty revolutionary when Bikini Kill started making space within that. Yeah, but uh, we're, by the way, we're we're speaking with uh, Cindy Anderson, the director of the film *The Punk Singer*. It opens uh, next Friday, November twenty ninth, here in Los Angeles at Cine Family, one of the great theaters you'll go to in all of Southern California. Brett and everybody over there are just fantastic. They really, really embrace cinema, and uh, and as well as I believe the IFC Center in New York and in Brooklyn as well opens opens next week. So, congratulations on all that and. Um, for, uh, also, one of the important things about the music and, and the movement, women being uh, in, in the, a musical part of uh, the punk scene, uh, is that it, came, it coincided or may have been kind of a, I don't want to say impetus, but this, the idea of the third wave of feminism was coming into its own at the, about the time that Bikini Kill and, the, and some other acts were, were coming into their own. Talk to us a little right. bit about this idea of the third wave of feminism and... Yeah, sure. Um, it's 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 true. Um, we now know the the beginning of that time, the early '90s, to um, to be uh, 
to have the phrase coined as third wave feminism. Um, a lot of people that I've spoken to, though, didn't. It's kind of like when you're at the beginning of a movement, you don't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. So they weren't calling it third wave feminism. Um, they were just doing what they were doing. And it was just with a little bit of space that they could look back on it and be like, that was the beginning of the third wave. But really, the, the phrase was coined, third wave, was coined by Rebecca Walker, who's Alice Walker's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have a great excerpt in the, in the film with her explaining uh, why, why, why call it third, um, third wave and, and what does it mean exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really awesome. Uh, and it was. It was the beginning of third wave feminism. I mean, I think that we are... In the beginning, for sure, in the beginning of fourth wave, a fourth wave of feminism right now, uh, and we're not calling it that yet. But I think in ten years we'll look back on this time, and it'll be fourth wave. Well, why do you say um, that? What 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 is what are the the sort of things that are going on that would prompt you to to say that? I, there there are three things off the top of my head, um, and one of them is the pussy riot. Yeah. Women. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, the the slut walk stuff that happened in Toronto after the Toronto police were harassing these girls for the way they were dressed. Mm-hmm. There's the Sandra Fluke stuff that was happening. Yeah. And we're 20 years outside of the beginning of third wave. Yeah. And now I'm just seeing a lot more feminist action happening. Um, Tabby Gavinson is, has her fashion blog and is a uh, very proud and out feminist. Um, I think I can see it all around me. Well, um, I, I would also point, which is super exciting. Yeah. I would I would also point to in in, in some aspects of the the Arab Spring, uh, in, particularly in Egypt, where uh, it does seem that women are, are taking um, are being uh, accepted as part of a sort of a leadership of of these um, these groups uh, of these the, the idea of express freedom of expression. Uh, being able sure. to behave, uh, to be be able to act as they as they choose, I I I, I sense that I think like almost any civil rights movement, there's always a retrenchment over a certain a certain period of time. You 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 count your you you count your uh, your gains and you 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 uh, and then you move forward. Uh, but um, it it does seem that the uh, worldwide there seems to be a little more more i mean you can look at this things the things are going on in uh in uh afghanistan the woman the young girl who was shot uh that does seem to me to be a big um marker in terms of yeah of i mean globally yeah. with feminism yeah. like it could be me, and I'd like to get a few other professors around here to start talking about <laughs> what's happening with global feminism. Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. And since we're talking about the film, we'll probably stick to that. Yes, but, yes, of I course. Mean, what's, what's going on and the need for feminism across the world yeah. is absolutely insane. It's a horror story, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, and then there's some things that are, and you know what, I mean, like some of these huger things you think, we have to have a call to action with, for these women. And I feel like we're living in the society now that we get overwhelmed with the amount of news that we're getting because we have so much media. Um, and then something really tragic happens and we like kind of shut it off. It's like gone out of our memory in five minutes and we're on to the next thing. It's really hard to 
motivate people to sustain a movement mm. when the horrific things that are happening in the world are changing every five minutes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I so agree. there's good places to start. Yeah. There's good places to start. I, I don't I don't think the world and I'm, we'll we'll get back to the film, and this is it. This is all I'll say about all this, but uh, I don't think the the world literally survives unless women have access to, um, to education and 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 uh, economic opportunity. I don't think yeah, a, a world a world where women um, would be more in charge would not allow the things that are going on in terms of climate change and so many other things to happen. I just don't see it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, back to uh, the punk singer, and, and it's just all germane because really there's there's uh, a tremendous amount of energy and, and artistic vision. And the thing about Kathleen Hanna that's so impressive, uh, she's such a self-possessed woman, very intelligent, and, and as you highlight in the film, really thinking outside of the particular persona that she assumed in Bikini Kill and Le Tegre, where she was, she was able to see beyond it and be able to really project... Um, this sense of power and, and control over her own life in ways um, that were really quite striking and, 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 and wonderfully, wonderfully portrayed in the film. Oh, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I, you're kind of cutting in and out, but I'm still here. Okay. So, again, I just the point is that Kathleen herself is just a, such a, a, a very um, powerful personality. Yeah, absolutely. Is, uh, more so than almost anybody I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, this has been—it's just a, w- a terrific film. I know it's gotten a tremendous amount of attention. I know it's, it opened at South by Southwest, as I recall. Is that right? Yes, it did. How yeah. did how did that go for you? It was fun. It was really amazing. I mean, we felt really lucky to have the opportunity to open at South by Southwest. And we knew pretty shortly thereafter that IFC was going to be our distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, we were super, you know, really stoked about that. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, the kind of the deal that we made with them is that they were going to release it theatrically in at least five cities. And um, and so right now we're a week away from opening uh, nationally. And. It's, they've upped the number to 51 cities right. from five. Right. So we're really, really excited about that. And we, you know, of course we hope people don't see it like in the theater, you know. Now the, um, the website, uh, Cindy, the website is... Was, the, oh, the website for the film is thepunksinger.com. There you go. Okay, that's what I thought, but thepunksinger.com. And from there you can check out all the screenings. There's a There's a page yeah. that has all of the screenings on it. And I'm sure you're yeah, right. and if you're on Facebook, go like the the punk singer page because that has that gets updated so much more. Gotcha. And has the events on there. Well, th- this is a thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this film. I and again a, a window into a, a, a an era and a and uh, and a person in the form of Kathleen Hanna, which, to which I was not familiar. I'm 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 ashamed to say, and just a just a terrific way to. Um, to get acquainted with her as a person and this scene, this riot girl scene and, and all of the different yeah. personalities. And it's not just them. You have a, a lot of other uh, people in the film talking about a lot of different, very interesting aspects of her life and her music. So thank you so much for being on Film School. Oh, 
Yeah. You know, let me add yeah. one more thing. Sure. There's actually two, um, two of the women that I interviewed that live in L.A., Allison Wolf from Bratmobile mm-hmm. and Anna Joy Springer from the Grubs and is also a professor. They're going to be doing a Q&A at Sin Family on Saturday the 30th after the screening. So I think they have a DJ there, and they're going to be doing a Q&A, and so I wish I was going to be there. It sounds like a fun night. Oh, thank you so much. So for next Saturday, the 29th, or 20, uh, 30th, actually, it'll be the 30th, um, yeah. Saturday night, you've got DJs, you've got uh, uh, musicians, women, mus- uh, fantastic. It sounds great. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that I'll, I'll post that to the filmschoolradio.com website. And, uh, All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Okay, thanks. And thanks <laughs> for your interest in the film. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, well, take care and good luck on the new doc. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.